Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities, and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. On our program is Dan Caramonico. In 1986, Dan Caramonico and Marie McGuire founded Caramonico McGuire Associates Incorporated with the goal of facilitating dramatic financial success in organizations by optimizing their selling solution. As Salesforce development experts, they have helped hundreds of companies and thousands of salespeople improve their sales management systems and selling processes to get ever-increasing results with less effort and energy. Sounds like a good plan. Together, they have nearly 50 years of experience and bring a unique perspective to sales consulting. Dan, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. The reason we have Dan on the program tonight with his partner, Marie, they have co-authored a book called The Optimal Salesperson, Mastering the Mindset of Sales Superstars and Overachievers. And for those of you who listen to BizTalk on a regular basis, you know that I'm constantly reading, especially things on sales and marketing. And when I ran across Dan's book, I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. It has a different slant on it. But Dan, for our audience out there who's probably thinking now, oh, great, another program on another sales book. There's hundreds of books written about sales. Tell us why your book is different and why we should pay attention to it. One thing that makes it different is it's not another book about another sales technique. There are hundreds of books out there about a new system of selling or a new, um, you know, a new uh, a new approach to, um, you know, closing deals, closing business, and this really gets at, you know, what 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 the mindset of the salesperson is that causes them. These are we call them hidden weaknesses that prevent the salesperson from executing the techniques that they know how to use. Um, what I like to say is most sales training fails. Uh, having been in this business for 24 years, I, I've seen that over and over. And, and just I don't think the world needs another book on another sales technique because most salespeople can't execute the ones that they already know how to use. In your book, you make some pretty bold claims in terms of why we should read it. You talk about how you're going to turbocharge your motivation you talk about how to avoid cold calls and get introduced to the ideal prospect. Mm-hmm. You talk about how to become a better closer by changing your mindset. And those are just three of a half dozen or so claims that are out mm-hmm. there. I picked those three because those tend to be the three things that people struggle with the most. <laughs> Getting introductions, you know, being motivated every day to do the sales job, and then closing something. So what is it about these hidden weaknesses that you must be able to do something with that enables you to do those three things better. Right. It, it probably would be useful if I first explain what I mean by a hidden weakness. Uh, or it, it turns out that, that success in sales has more to do with your uh, belief systems than it does with any technique or, uh, that, 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 you, that you're taught. And, and, and here, here's what I mean. Um, first, a, a belief is just a firmly held conviction about the way things are. If you have a belief... I mean, you know it. There's no doubt in your mind. You have evidence. You have data. You have experience. And if anybody 
obviously don't understand your business or just don't get it. Um, so if I take um, you know my average Joe salesperson, put him in a class for that, that, that has a belief, and by the way, let's use a common belief that salespeople have that people buy based on price. Um, and there are plenty of sales technique books out there that tell you how to sell value over price. Um, so let's t- say I take that, that salesperson, I put him in training for two days, and I teach him five time-tested golden techniques to sell value over price. And at the end of the second day, my, my man Joe has five time-tested proven techniques, and he has them down cold because I have video evidence of him executing the techniques uh, flawlessly. But what I didn't do in those two days is change his belief. So he comes out with the same belief that he went in with, namely that people buy based on price. Now, on the third day, he gets in front of a prospect and he says, so, Mr. Prospect, how are you going to make your decision? And the prospect says, well, you know, I think I'm going to go with the low price. What happens to those techniques that I taught my salesperson? They're out the window. By the way, I ask that that in sales classes constantly, and 95% of the time, the exact answer I get is, they're out the window. They're never out the door, or that's the phrase everybody uses, they're out the window. What What the salesperson says to himself is, Makes sense to me. That's what I would do. See, I told that Caramanico he was crazy. And he has another data point to reinforce the belief system that he went in with, you know, to reinforce the, you know, the fact that people buy based on price. And the reason we call them hidden weaknesses is because if I interview Joe, I can see that he's a, 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 he's, he, he dresses well, he, he speaks well, he's articulate, he knows the business, he knows the industry, he has great experience. But how do I know what his belief systems are? And it's those belief systems that defeat him every time. So So what you're saying is that those things really cripple or block or prevent a salesperson from executing what they've been trained to do or feel they should be doing. Exactly. And, and those things, you, you picked the one, the introductions. Um, my belief is that it's easier to get an introduction than it is to get a referral. And yet... <laughs> And yet salespeople generally, you know, the, the ones I work with, before I, you know, go through the process, they, they, don't, they don't understand that. That's not their belief. They, they say, why would anybody go to the trouble of picking up the phone and calling and introducing me? Why wouldn't they just give me the name, right? They don't understand why anybody would do that. Until we go. So until I can change the belief that, you know, teaching them a technique isn't going to help. Dan, you've been doing this consulting business for, like you said, 24 years plus, and obviously had some experience before you started your own company. At what point did the light bulb go off for you and say, you know, I'm training the wrong way, I'm doing the wrong things, this just simply isn't working, and there's got to be a better way? Let's go back in that moment and share that with the audience. Okay. Well, I, you know, I started out training and, and back when I first started, most of my clients were individuals. Uh, now they're mostly corporate. But, but uh, you, know, I would, you know, I would get a group of people and start taking them through the process, and, and we focused almost exclusively on technique. You know, why do people buy and what to say and how to say it and who to say it to. And so I'd have a group of 10 people, and I'd, I'd go through this process, and two or three of them would get it, and they'd go out and they'd have great, success. I mean, they have, they multiply their income by double, you know, or, or they'd have significant increases. Uh, and then six or seven of them had, had, had no, had no, no change whatsoever. And of course, I wanted to take responsibility of myself. I said, maybe I didn't say it right, or maybe I, maybe it needs to be said differently 
to, to those people, and maybe I can tweak it. And, th- and I, would, I would work on coaching them in a different way, do a lot of individual coaching back then. And, and then finally I said, you know, it, maybe it's not me. I, I, you know, I, and when I really, it finally dawned on me one day that it really had to do with the belief system. Um, uh, a lot of reading that I did, I, you know, and I came up with the idea that, well, actually, I can't say that I personally came up with the idea, but I ran across it. Uh, the idea from a uh, colleague, uh, Dave Curlin, and, and, and um, I said, you know, that's the reason. It just gradually dawned on us. I was one of the people that kind of participated in this, that it was the belief systems that were getting away, and until we dealt with the belief, the technique wasn't going to matter. What's interesting is once you change the belief, the technique doesn't matter. Really? So yeah, the, the technique I call I call it, it becomes the non-technique technique. Let me let me give you an example. One of the biggest uh, hidden weaknesses is uh, the, is, a, is a thing we call the money weakness, which means that their uh, a salesperson is just uncomfortable discussing money. And and one of the more the finer points of that is that they're that they don't believe that they can get the prospect to tell them how much money they they're they're thinking of spending for this product or service, and so. You know, maybe if I put them in training and I beat them around the head and shoulders often enough, figuratively speaking, uh, you know, I can get them to ask one question, uh, you know, how much is in your budget? And, and the prospect says, well, we don't really know. And then they give up. I was working with a client yesterday who had this problem. And, and so, so in the beginning, the issue you're dealing with is I can't get them to tell me how much they want to spend, Okay. And so I need to teach them techniques, and maybe I give them a bracketing technique, or I teach them to say, well, give me a round number, or, uh, you know, uh, give me a bracket, uh, that, you know, give, or you're between 20000 and 30000 It could be between twenty and 30000 Are you in there somewhere? And they say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm somewhere in there. Well, you think you're closer to twenty or closer to 30 And then they, they say, well, I'm closer to twenty. Well, now you know it's between twenty and 25 So you can say, well, how about uh, then it sounds like you're around 22.5 or so, and the guy says, yeah, about actually 21.675, right? So you can teach them that technique, and, and you coach them, and they go out, and they fail, and they try. But meanwhile, you have to work on the belief system. Now, once the belief changes, what happens is they just say, so, George, how much were you planning on spending on this? The guy says, eh, I don't know, somewhere around 21, 22,000. They, they just ask, and they get told, because the belief uh, the belief has changed. They're congruent in what they're saying, and, and the person just tells them. Now, it might be interesting for your audience to understand why that is. Hmm. I would think that would be your next question. Okay. <laughs> so so why, I was thinking, why would that be? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, I have to do both sides of this. Just, just today, no. just today. Just today. Okay. Well, they did a study back in the 1970s um, on communication. And what they discovered was that that seven percent of what you communicate is the words you use. Uh, so, thirty-eight percent is the tonality that you that you use to say them, and fifty-five percent is physiology or body language. So, if I say Jim is going out uh, after this call and double his sales based on what he learned in this one-hour interview, and Jim says right, or I say Jim's going out today after this interview and he's going to. Um, double his sales based on what he learned, and Jim says, right. All right, now you can't see my body language, but you can hear the tonality. I changed it from absolutely to no way, no way is that going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. 
just by changing the tonality. So what happens when, when, when you try to execute a technique you don't believe in, let, and let's keep, keep with the asking for the budget, if I try to execute that technique and I say, Mr. Prospect, how much were you, were you planning to spend with this? I have 7% saying, please tell me your budget, Mr. Prospect, and 93% saying, no way are you going to tell me your budget, right? Once my belief change, I belief changes, I now am congruent, and I ask with the expectation that you're going to tell me, and the technique really doesn't matter anymore. And it, 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 I know it's, I, some of your listeners would say, yeah, he's, this sounds like voodoo or something. But, I, you know, I didn't believe it much either. But, you know, if you, you didn't see my, my actual background before I got into this was a, as an engineer. And so if somebody were to tell me this, I'd tell them it was a little too squishy. I really didn't want to believe it because in my old world, if you couldn't write an equation about it, it really didn't exist. Um, well, ob- I, obviously you, you must have, when you changed your own belief about training and discovered these things, you obviously must have seen the results from this then. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's amazing. I, uh, one of my clients was in the mortgage business and worked with him for, for a few months on technique. And that's a very, I'll call it, it's not an easy sale, but it's, simpl- it's a simple sale in that it's only one, maybe two calls, and it's, you know, it's pretty much a one-call close. The bad news about that industry is it's it's very price sensitive, right? When you're uh, selling mortgages, so you know, first he had to he I had to get him into the belief that you know that the p- people would pay more for his service, but but he had to learn the techniques. After that, when he came to me, he was earning about thirty thousand dollars a year, and by increasing the you know by by um, not increasing but by by changing the techniques he was using. You know, without changing his comfort zone or his his belief systems, we, we were able to increase his sales by let's say twenty or twenty percent, twenty five percent. And from then, he went from there. Now he's a he's a well. I'll, I'll just use the first five years. He went from uh, from earning thirty thousand dollars to four, maybe forty or so by increasing the or improving his technique. But once we started working on the beliefs, his income went. To in in the hundreds of thousands to maybe three four five hundred thousand dollars a year, right? He, he's a good mortgage broker will sell maybe an adequate one will sell a, a million dollars a month. A really good one will sell two million dollars a month, and he was averaging twelve to fifteen a month, right? And it was all through working on his belief system issues. We're talking with Dan Caramerico about his book, The Optimal Salesperson: Mastering the Mindset of sales superstars and overachievers. Dan, I find it fascinating when you talk about how people communicate in that total sum of just only 7% the word and rest the body language and basically the message you're, you're sending. So if our audience believes that, that, that what you're talking about actually does work, and they want to change some of their beliefs that may be holding them back from selling, how do you go about that? Is that explained in your book? Yes, uh, there's, there's uh, what, what we do in the book is describe what each of the um, major hidden weaknesses are. We do, we do all the attributes of the optimal salesperson. You, 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 uh, you uh, alluded to a couple of them. Actually, you hit in three separate areas. And when you said motivation, that's, uh, that's the desire. People have to 
people have have to have desire and commitment. They have to have the, the desire to get to the to the goal, right? So they really have to want to improve themselves. It just can't be a nice to have. They have to really want to get to that goal. They have to have a passion for it. Because overcoming these hidden weaknesses is not something you just go to class, learn about it, and it's done. Um, you have to really put energy into it because you didn't just wake up when you were 21 and and her, you know and and decide to have these beliefs. They're sort of like hardwired in. Uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit like uh, in the computer world. You know, you, you you're changing the operating system. You know, you can you can download a piece of software like if you use you know uh, uh, Microsoft products. You know, you download a, something and you're using a micro, you know, out, uh, what do you call it, Windows and and it pretty much works. You don't have to worry about it. And you can change software, and that's pretty easy. But if you want to suddenly change operating systems, you know, that, that takes some effort, right? If you want to go from Windows to Apple, you know, that's, that's a whole different deal, or Unix or something. So it's a little bit like, like that. So you have desire and commitment on one side. What you, you, when you talked about the introductions, that was really a technique issue, right, uh, a sales process issue or an interpersonal skill, if you will. And then you have these, these belief systems. That you have to you have to overcome, and, that, and it's that you need to have that energy uh, to put into overcoming those weaknesses. So it sounds to me that your book is really written for the sales professional that knows they could be doing better, but really don't know why they're not getting better, mm-hmm. and is committed to, I guess, for lack of a better word, being a professional salesperson. Right. They have to be committed to it and to, to being professional and committed to being better. And then, and then if they've tried a lot of other things, like they've, they've read the technique books, and if they read them and say, okay, <laughs> if they read the technique books and they, there's all these testimonies about how these techniques work wonder, wonders, and maybe their colleagues read the same book and, and have tremendous increase in their sales, they, they read the book and they have, first, they, they, it's, they're skeptical about the technique, What's happening is their belief systems are getting in the way. And if they, if they even they think, wow, this technique should really work, and then they go out and they, they try to execute it, right, they find out that it doesn't work. Well, it's probably not the technique's fault. It's probably your, your, you know, one of your belief systems is, or one of your other hidden weaknesses is, is getting in the way. So, so what, what we do in the book is, identify what these hidden weaknesses are. We identify all the attributes, but one of the major parts of it is identifying those hidden, those major hidden weaknesses. Another one is like need for approval, which means, you know, I'm more worried about whether the prospect likes me than whether or not he's willing to do business with me. So if I'm more worried about whether you like me than you, than you want to do business, then I won't execute any technique which I perceive to be aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. And which ones do I perceive to be aggressive? The ones that violate my belief system. So if I don't believe it's appropriate to call on anybody but a purchasing agent, I mean, you know, if I tell you that you should call on the, the operations manager instead of the purchasing agent, you're going to think that's an aggressive technique. And if you have need for approval on top of that, you're, you know, you're, you're going to, you don't want to aggravate the, the purchasing agent, so you won't, you won't use the, you know, the process that I'm, that I'm espousing here. So, so we, we, we tell them what these belief systems are and how they affect you. And then in the second half of the book, we tell them, okay, this is how, this is how these weaknesses affect calling at the top, and this is how they affect uh, you know, getting referrals, and this is how it affects you know, closing. And, and so we, we, we show you how to get rid of the belief system 
and first of all, what it is, how it affects you, and then how to get rid of it. So if you're frustrated, that's when you would, you know, you would, you would turn to this. If you tried a lot of other things and it didn't work, this will probably explain why. Let's go back in your own career. You have an engineering background, right? Yep. That you said earlier on the program. Uh, how did you go from engineering to sales consulting? Uh, they seem like to be diametrically opposed. I, I could never. I, I, as soon as somebody finds out those two things, that's immediately the first question that comes up. They they always want to know how did that ever happen, and um, basically, um, it happened because I, I really I, I you know I wanted to be a uh, a project manager. So I you know I worked really hard. I went and got a master's degree and actually a couple of master's degrees and. And, uh, and, and went to management and convinced them they should, that was my first sale, convinced them they should make me a project manager because what I really wanted to do was manage people and projects, right? Right. Well, what I didn't know that in the en- was that in the engineering business, the project manager spends half his time selling. Uh, you're, you're expanding the project you're on, and you're the saleable commodity. So I was spending half or more than half of my time, um, you know, in sales situations. And so... Um, you know, I took my $2 million project that they put me on, and the fee was $2 million, and, and by the time I was finished, it was $6 million. So they said, well, he's pretty good at this. And there was a couple other situations like that. So next thing you know, I'm in the sales department. <laughs> so so <laughs> I didn't know who I had aggravated one day when they told me I was going to be in the sales department. But, yeah, um, you, you didn't see it as a promotion then? Yeah, it didn't look like a promotion <laughs> to me. <laughs> but... Um, but I, you know, then I turned out I, I, I uh, liked it. And actually, the, one of the things they did, they sent me to sales training. And I came back from the training and I said, okay, it was nice. It was entertaining. But, boy, it all, I don't know if I could do any of that stuff. It all sounded like it was, um, you know, random collection of things to say, none of which I could ever see myself saying. And that, that was my own beliefs playing through. So then I spent a lot of time um, in my early sales career just working on overcoming those belief systems. I tell people I'm an expert in helping people overcome all these hidden weaknesses because I had every one of them myself. <laughs> Looking back, knowing what you know now, what difference would have made in your career about these hidden weaknesses what I'm referring to? If you had read the, your book going back in that time, no, what I, difference I, would have made? It would have shortened my, my, uh, my, my uh, growth curve dramatically. I'm talking by cutting it by a factor of maybe four or five. Um, because I was always working on the wrong part of the problem, you know. I was always uh, until I figured out what the what the um, belief systems were and, and overcame them. And, and here's a phenomenon that you'll um, that, that, that 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 you'll discover once you work through the process is once you've overcome the weakness, like what you thought was very difficult, turns out to be easy. Right? And, and look, I think everybody already has this experience in their background. There's probably something in your past, whether it's a hobby or a, a sport uh, or something, where it was very difficult, uh, and, and, but, but, but through practice and what have you, and then it became just sort of easy, you know, and just, just automatically happened. And that's why we say, that with, you know, effortlessly, once, you, once you've mastered the mindset, then you can get higher production with less effort. Uh, because you're not fighting those, you know, you don't need the energy. Um, uh, once you believe that people are going to tell you how much they want to spend, right, then I don't need to f- 
expend a lot of energy working myself up to the nerve to ask them how much they want to spend. It just comes up in natural course of conversation, and people tell me, yeah. right? So it would have made a huge difference. I'd probably be 20 years younger. Dan, you've had some pretty strong mentors, one of them uh-huh. being David Sandler, who started the Sandler Sales Institute. And you told me at one time that, that Dave was actually coaching you in your career as you went out and went about your business. So what was it like having someone like Dave Sandler, who's just a legend in the sales arena, mm-hmm. as your personal coach? What, what effect did it have on you? What were you struggling with? And what did he help you overcome? He, 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 I, I've had several, you know, a few. He was, he was one. He was the first. My first sales mentor, Dave Crowell, was another one. Both of them shared the same trait, is they never let you off the hook. And a good mentor will do that. Uh, uh, what I what I did is I created a, this is one of the things we talk about in the book. But I created a sales activity plan for myself, which, in other words, when when I enlisted Dave's help, Dave Sandler's help, and I said, "All right, Dave, here's what I'm going to do. I'm making this many sales calls, and I'm going to see you know see this many people every week, and this is what I'm what I'm what I'm going to achieve, and I'm talking to you twice a week." And it's just like, you know, and then once you do that, it's a little bit like jumping off the Empire State Building. There's no change in your mind, you know. <laughs> you know, so yeah, halfway down, it's tough to stop. <laughs> yeah, you can't decide to kill yourself, jump off the Empire State Building, then change your mind. You know, say, oh, never mind. And so that's sort of what it's like when you hire somebody like this, because not hire because he, he you know, he, he he did it for me, and and he, and so what what happened. I had to confront the fears. I had to confront the weaknesses because, you know, it would be a Tuesday afternoon about 4 o'clock or something, and I knew I was supposed to schedule to talk to him, but I hadn't yet quite got all that activity done that I said I was, I was going to do. You know, I said, but I have a real, I have really good excuse. You know, there's a really good reason. I never would use the word excuse. I said, it's a really good reason because Jim Lobato called me and we had this and I had a client do this, and I didn't really get to do that activity. And I said, then I would think about how I'm going to explain that to Sandler, right, yeah. or Curl, and then I'd say, you know what, let me just make those calls. It was way easier to get to confront. Like, he made it tougher. For, I couldn't let myself down. I, I, you know, you, you, you will let yourself down, but you won't let others down. Look, if you don't have access to that kind of mentor, then get your spouse to do it for you. Um, so it's really just being held accountable to what you say you're going to do. Yeah, just find somebody to hold you accountable that you don't want to let down. You know, I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to let I didn't want to let them, you know, know that I you know that I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. And so I would jump through, a, you know, through a burning building to make sure. And, and I I either get the activity done or I die trying. You know, and then, and, and and I'd come back and he, he'd ask me tough questions. Well, why didn't you ask him about the money? Uh, well, you can only use I forgot once. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and if that was no good, and it was hard for me to use that because I was supposed to be training other salespeople, right? So how could I, I, I didn't forget, I didn't forget, I, I just was too weak to ask, you know, whatever the issue was. And so he would, you know, he would uh, force me to do it, or just the fact that I had to, and that's what a good sales manager should do, by the way, is, is it's it's got to be tougher to come back and explain to the sales manager why you didn't do something than it would be to 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 do it right yeah so that, and that's tough to do in that role yeah and 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 you don't the good sales manager 
or a good mentor will understand what weakness you're trying to overcome and hold you accountable and force you through it. Because, look, you, you know, you're always afraid of something. I, I use this example a lot. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of heights, and I'm not a very good swimmer, but I remember when I was a teenager going to a swimming pool, right? We belonged to a swim club, and I would get to go there once in a while. And there was always, you know, I'd like, I couldn't really dive, but we like to jump off the, the diving board. Well, I was good for the low board, but not the high board, you know. But then, you know, you want to impress all the girls, right? So you, you, you say, okay, yeah, I'm going to get in line and go off the high dive. So you get up there, and now I'm up there. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I don't really want to jump off the end of this board. So you go and adjust the, you know, the, the little wheel that's up there. So you pretend, bounce around a little, and, and you just finally, you just know, you, you know, there's people lining up behind you saying, hurry up, hurry up, and you want to climb down the ladder, but it's, it's too embarrassing to climb down the ladder. So you don't know if the embarrassment wins out, right, it, that you'll jump off the end. And if the fear of the height and being a red splat on the water wins out, you'll climb down a ladder, right? So finally, you know, you, you jump off knowing that you're just going to die, right? And you <laughs> jump off and, and you hit the water. You didn't die, and it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. And it doesn't take you that long to get back in line, right? Yeah. And do it the second time. Yeah, you survived you, it, and because you survived it, and it's the same thing with cold calls. Oh, you know, or I have to call on the president of the company. Oh, geez, I'm much more comfortable with the with the with the technical person, right? Yeah. And 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 you get up there, and you find out it's it's not as whatever you were afraid of. It's never going to happen. I deal with this all the time with salespeople. They tell me what they're afraid of, what they're what. You know, I can't do what you're asking me to do because of this, and it's their fears and scares. It's really their, their hidden weaknesses and belief systems showing through. And I kind of push them and force them. And they say, well, what if he says this? What if they do that? What if this happens? What if that happens? And, and you know, I'll handle a few of those, you know, but they can't go in there with 19 things they're worried about. They don't, they'll never execute any of those. Because you know what I know? None of the stuff they're worried about is going to happen. And that's what happens when I debrief them after the call. Whatever they were afraid of ahead of time didn't really happen. Other stuff happened, but not the stuff they were worried about. We're talking to Dan Caramarico on his book, The Optimal Salesperson, Mastering the Mindset of Sales Superstars and Overachievers. Dan, it's great that you've taken your 24 years' experience in the business that you're in, which is a sales development specialist, plus your own sales experience, and decide to put it down on paper and share that with the rest of the world. And at the same time, what I've learned is when authors put their thoughts down on paper, it also changes them in some manner. Did you have that experience by writing this book? Uh, yes. <laughs> because it's, it, in, in, kind of almost in the way I've been talking about it. It's, an interesting, it's interesting that you're asking that question because I hadn't really thought about it until you just asked me. But um, what happened was I, I put put the stuff out there and now the book itself holds me accountable to a higher level like you know it's sort of an invisible thing you know because most of the people i deal with now or talk to i i go on sales calls and people have you know if i've been referred to them or somehow i don't even sometimes i'm not even sure how that it's just because they google me or something and they find out there's a book and then they buy it and then they read it and then i show up right yeah well you know there's there's no there's no backing out now. <laughs> you, kind of, you kind of have to live up to what you wrote down, you know. So yeah, you at least you at least have to be as good as the book is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you know you can't show up and and do the exact opposite or, or present yourself exactly the opposite of 
of, of what's in the book. And then, in a, in a subtle way, just the fact that it gives you a little more credibility for yourself and builds your own, you know, right. let's say self-esteem, and then you, you kind of live up, you try to live up to it that way. But, but that, that's, that's interesting that, that, I, that you made me think about that. There's a good lesson then for the rest of us. Maybe we should write some things down that we believe in and know to be true. And even if we publish it to somebody that we trust, then they'd always be looking over your shoulder, seeing, are you living up to your own standards? Yeah, well, I do that with goals all the time. I said, look, a lot of people have pocket goals, right? They write the goals down, but they don't tell anybody. Right. Right? So once they, they, um, you know, they, they, you know, they just put it in their pocket. If they don't hit it, it's not a big deal. But if they tell people that I'm going to hit this goal, right, then it puts a little more pressure on them. Dan, is there one question I should have asked you that I haven't asked you? There's a couple I wished you hadn't, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, 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 you know, I think uh, I think you hit all the all the all the, the the major points. You did ask me one thing. I I successfully avoided answering. However, you asked me about the introductions piece. Um, I didn't. We didn't spend any time talking about that. I I will say that's the one sales technique thing that's in the book. Right? Okay. Um, and it's a uh, a process for how to get introductions. Uh, uh, and I call it introductions on purpose. Um, some people get an introduction. I, I we talk about how to how, how to set up a network of people that is going to introduce you to the right people at the right time in the right way. Wow. So, so that it happens um, on a regular basis. Wow. And that, that can catapult you to another level. Okay. If so, people are interested in your book, I know you have a website. Would you share that with our audience? It's www.optimalsalesperson.com. And if they go to optimalsalesperson.net, they can get a one-minute um, sales tip. Sometimes it's on a self-limiting belief and sometimes it's on a technique. Um, more than, I think more than half of them are on the belief system issues. And if they go to .net, they can sign up to um, to get those one-minute video emails. Great. They're free. The book is The Optimal Salesperson, Mastering the Mindset of Sales Superstars and Overachievers. Dan, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Jim, for having me. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com. Or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509. Or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.